Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Native Grape Odyssey is an educational project financed by the European Union to promote European wine in Canada, Japan, and Russia. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Alden. My guest today is Serena Imazio. Yes, Serena is, um, right. you're Italian. Yes. Uh, you speak perfect English and you've worked with uh, Professor Attilio Scienza. With this book in front of me, La Stirpe del Vino, what does that mean? La Stirpe del Vino means uh, the families uh, of uh, wine. So we are trying to describe uh, which is the history behind the great families, uh, the Pinot family, the Chardonnay, and who are the ancestors, who are the brothers, the sisters, mothers and fathers, trying to understand how these grapevines went through in the European uh, contest. Okay, so in terms, and what, what were the sort of key points in terms of, say, if we go back to the Middle Ages and cold weather? Yes. What happened then? Why was that important? There was a cold period, wasn't there? What happened? Yes, then? we had uh, at the beginning of the Middle Age, we had a hot period. Uh, and that was a sort of optimum for vine growing and, of course, for wine production. After that, we had uh, a cold period, which we call the little glaciation, the piccola glaciazione. What happened? It happened that the wine was not abandoned. Uh, the wine production was uh, still one of the main interests of human beings. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the thing that uh, changed were the varieties and we had the first selection of which varieties were the best and the mostly adapted to that weather. So this was the period where Chardonnay had his uh, opportunity to come out as a great uh, vine and wine variety because uh, Chardonnay is an early variety. So we have uh, we have it at maturation. The berries are mature in a very early period and uh, not in the at the beginning of autumn. So uh, in the, in the you can understand that in a period where you have uh, cold weather, autumn is a risky moment for um, plant maturation and for fruit maturation. So this was the first uh, step of selection of these varieties. But we can talk about uh, lots of other situation and cases. We Such. A, what about a period when, say, the the weather was a little bit warmer, or trends maybe with the, say the sweeter wines in the Mediterranean? The Malvasias, why, why did they suddenly become famous or popular? They become famous or popular because they had to have... Uh, Malvasia become famous during uh, the Venetian period because uh, we call them, in Italy, we call them the Vini Navigati. That means that there were wines that were both and made in the Mediterranean uh, islands and then uh, spread to all the Mediterranean uh, by uh, the Venetian Republic. And by, by boat, yeah. By boat. Yes, of course, by both. And uh, this is why we call them the sailed <laughs> wines. And um, so sweet because they had to uh, go through a long period uh, in uh, in boats. So it, they needed to be conserved and to arrive at destination uh, still as a good product for the consumers. And 
And this is the reason why uh, they were so sweet. And um, these wines uh, started to educate the taste of uh, the most important uh, people in all the... The, the, no, the noble families. The noble families. they were quite expensive, weren't they, some of yes, these wines? Yes, of course they were expensive and uh, these made them particularly for, for a very uh, high uh, level of, uh, of people, the, the richest people. But in those periods, we still have in Europe, especially in the, in the, the most important towns in Italy, as Milano, we still have uh, vines that are, that are cultivated and wines that are produced for common people, for the poorest part of the, of the society. And uh, especially in Milano, we know that there were lots and lots of vineyards in, the, in Milan. In Milano, really? yes, yes. And we also have a very important uh, vineyard which was uh, cultivated from Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was one of the owner of the most important vineyards in in, uh, in Milano, and he talks about that vineyard. And it was a Malvasia vineyard. We know now that it was a Malvasia vineyard, uh, and uh, we did this work with Attilio Scienza, uh, analyzing DNA of uh, uh, some uh, little pieces found in the, this beautiful garden a few years ago, and we were able to understand which was the exact exact variety cultivated by Leonardo da Vinci. Because he had his own farm in, in near Florence as well, in Tuscany, didn't he? He was in uh, in Tuscany, and he has, of course, uh, Tuscan origins. The only vineyard he talks about uh, is the one in Milano, oh, okay. and he lives it also as in, in uh, a part of his inheritance to his most uh, to a friend. So it's um, this is one of the the history that we uh, talk about in the in the books. Tell me about the vine story of Sangiovese and then the Lambrusco. The Lambrusco is a family of vines, isn't it? Lambrusco is a family of vines. Not all the Lambrusco vines are genetically linked one to the other, but Lambrusco is is a word used by the Romans to identify vines that came from the bush. From So they are wild varieties, the ancestors of the cultivated varieties we, we have. Lambrusco, so we, we always thought that Lambrusco variety were a sort of uh, link from cultivated to wild grapevines. But we didn't have uh, a, a real demonstration about this. And we had it when analyzing the DNA of some Lambrusco varieties, we found that these varieties are mostly linked and close to the wild compartment of grapevines than to the cultivated compartment. So they are, in the, in the facts, they are cultivated, they are cultivated varieties. Lambrusco di Sorbara, which is one of the most important varieties cultivated in Emilia-Romagna, is, of course, a cultivated variety. We have lots of bottles made by <laughs> Lambrusco di Sorbara, but uh, it's one of the, the, the Lambrusco varieties that we found uh, are closer to the wild compartment. So it, it's a sort of uh, match uh, linking the two, the two great compartments. And since we had this the demonstration, we didn't uh, have the proof that wild vines and cultivated vines were linked together. That gave us this uh, uh, opportunity to understand that uh, that we had this kind of uh, connection between the two compartments. I mean, it's an interesting that Lambrusco often is a, I'm not sure in every market, but certainly in the UK market, it was, it's been damned as a, as a terrible wine. Yes, um, but it's not Cheap, true. cheerful. <laughs> and it, it actually, it is kind of, as we've just been hearing, it's the family of the Lambrusco wine 
Sainz, or at least uh, Sorbada, at least, is, is a key sort of link, it seems, between, as we're hearing from the wild, wild vines that generally make wine that we don't find palatable with the vinifera vines, whose wines we do find pal- palatable. So it's a great thumbs up, I think, for... Her poor old Lambrusco. People, people. Are my, I did a podcast recently. My, my son interviewed me. Um, how was he? No, he's eleven at the time. Uh-huh. And he asked, "Dad, what's your favourite wine?" And Italian wine. I said, "Lambrusco is one of my favourite Italian wines." And you know, he doesn't know what Lambrusco is. And he was like, "Okay." And he asked me the next question. But my friends, are you, Monty, are you serious? Or why, <laughs> why, why, why didn't you say things like Chateau Lafitte or whatever? And um, I love it because it's a, it's a, a wine that you can drink every day. It's joyful. Yes. You don't have to think too much about it. You can relax. It's versatile with food, etc. It's not too fizzy. And I, I um, think that you also have to consider that the wine types uh, evolve with uh, the the cook with the, with the food with the food of the country of the region and if you taste uh, Lambrusco with uh, gnocco fritto and with all the sausages that uh, Emilia Romagna produces and uh, with uh, prosciutto Lambrusco is uh, you need to, yeah. to drink Lambrusco to have your mouth uh, uh, in a proper set <laughs> to so have the, that kind of uh, so for this book the Sangiovese Lambrusco what what do we learn about Sangiovese in the in the book? Sangiovese, we we know almost everything about Sangiovese. Sangiovese is a great variety, the basis of the most important uh, Italian wines. And uh, what we learned uh, analyzing Sangiovese DNA is that he, we thought uh, Sangiovese. The the question was: uh, Is Sangiovese born in Tuscany or in Emilia Romagna? Because both the regions have uh, lots of Sangiovese. And um, what we learned from DNA is uh, that Sangiovese is not born in Tuscany and Sangiovese is not born in Emilia-Romagna. Sangiovese comes from the south of Italy. And, from uh, whereabouts, exactly? We, we think that uh, he has uh, ancestors from Calabria uh, or Sicily. So it's uh, completely out of, the, of oh. the idea that we have about this uh, great grapevine. So another thing we learned about Sangiovese is that at Sangiovese as Garganega. Uh, Garganega for the white wines and Sangiovese from the black wines uh, are two key varieties in the Italian germplasm platform because they are ancestors in different ways of uh, lots of lots of Italian uh, varieties. So in Garganega's case, what what is Garganega linked to? Garganega is linked to lots of uh, to Grecanico as an example and to other uh, white varieties that we cultivated in the south of Italy and uh, it's difficult to say because we we uh, <laughs> because we have new findings every every year about uh, really yes so it's ongoing it's not like we know all the answers yet. no we don't know all the answers we, we can't know all the answers and we just need to analyze lots and lots of genetic traits to understand uh, if the link is really uh, correct or not and uh, so when these analyses are taking place, I mean how long does it take if I come up to your office with a grapevine cutting and I okay. think, oh, I think this now, is... Nowadays uh, it's uh, quite easy because uh, you have to analyze uh, at least uh, 50 uh, different lo- loci in the DNA in Local, different yeah. spots okay. of the DNA and compare them to I, I guess if you don't have no idea about the, uh, the wood you have in your hands uh, all the varieties that you that you know and that you have it was very difficult 
difficult uh, 10, 20 years ago. Now is easier because we have lots of database. All the, the data that we collect around the world in all the labs working on grapevine genetics are stored in databases and uh, the access to these databases is public so you can have these informations uh, and you can compare your profile, the, your DNA profile with all the ones that are worldwide uh, collected and stored in the in the databases and this made the work uh, very very easy uh, but you, you don't know I mean if uh, the variety has ancestors that are extinct and uh, you know in, in Europe uh, Phylloxera erased lots of the genetic platform that we cultivated you are not able to find uh, uh, parents or ancestors and this is uh, makes the, the, the work very difficult because you, you may not find you may never find no, out no. Yeah. of course okay I just want to say thanks to my guest today Serena Imazio thank you okay? um, yes, okay. for enlightening us a little bit about um, vine genetics yeah. it's not often we broach that subject on the Italian wine podcast but it's very important um, especially when it as regards Italian wine as we, we don't have all the answers but we're gradually it seems getting some of the answers to those genetic questions and origins of those great varieties whose origins are unclear thank you very much thank you Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Italian Wine Podcast. Our channels are SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and Himalaya FM. We're also widely available on other podcast apps. Our official website is italianwinepodcast.com and that's all one word. If you're using iTunes, feel free to rate the podcast or write a review. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Discovering the true essence of high-quality wine from Europe. Find out more on nativegrapeodyssey.eu. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 